today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. I want to check in with Hamilton Mayor Fred Eisenberger. It's a, a mini town hall. Uh, an awful lot to talk about here, especially the day after uh, a, a city council meeting, committee, the whole meeting, of course, was done virtually. Uh, Mr. Mayor, thank you so much for the time. Good to have you with us today. Uh, before well, we get started, thanks for having me on, Bill. I, I got a report from uh, our, uh, Brianna Carnegie, one of our global reporters, uh, that was talking about the, the ju- jurisdictions and the designations, of course, and we're in a red zone right now. And uh, Brianna Carnegie is reporting right now that there's increasing pressure to put Hamilton into lockdown, and it's coming from other mayors in the GTHA. Here's her report, for Mr. Mayor. Toronto's mayor is asking the province for tighter restrictions. John Tory hopes it will help control the rising number of COVID-19 cases, which could surge after the holidays. I think we have to have something that is truly going to apply across the entire region because I think people are finding it too easy to move back and forth. And he's not alone. Mississauga Mayor Bonnie Crombie wants to see a GTA-wide lockdown. What is becoming increasingly evident from the aggregate cell phone data that we now have is that people across the GTHA are region hopping. The lockdown orders for Toronto and Peel region expire on Monday, so it's possible we could hear the province's decision announced by the end of this week. Brianna Carnegie, Global News. Thank you, Brianna, for that report. Mr. Mayor, your response to that, I I assume you're in constant contact with these other mayors. Uh, Have you heard something along these lines? Yeah, well, well, so we've heard a number of things. Uh, Firstly, they were uh, quite quite hopeful that the uh, the category that we're in, which is red with the enhancements that we were looking at, is something that the GTHA mayor is actually considered as well as something to equalize, uh, you know, keeping businesses open across the board, but putting them all on a level playing field. Having said that, uh, you know, we, uh, we now know that uh, the red enhanced in Hamilton isn't working particularly well. The numbers continue to grow up. And even though Toronto, Peel, Windsor, Essex, York, uh, Mississauga, Brampton are all in lockdown, the numbers continue to go up there as well. And so uh, I would say the, uh, the, the given the time of year, uh, given the fact that uh, many people, uh, you know, would be uh, taking some time off over the holidays in any event, uh, it is a probably a good opportunity to uh, to lock down as we were in March. Try and contain the spread of this virus. Uh, uh, you know, minimize the, uh, the the spread as much as humanly possible because we know it's the, it's the it's the human contact where it's happening. Having said that, you know, a lot of it is coming from the social contacts that people are having within their homes, whether it's their home or someone else's home, and that then translates into them going to work. And when they're at work, they can potentially spread that to, you know, some of the friends at work and they go home and, uh, you know, that, you know how kind of viral spread happens. There you, that's, where, that's where it starts to accelerate and it can get out of control rather quickly. So in uh, thinking about Niagara, you know, over the last uh, couple of months, they've been doing exceptionally well. And all of a sudden, the, uh, it's gone through the roof uh, because the, uh, you know, the lack of controls just weren't there. So uh, I think there's a number of measures that have to happen here if we want to contain the spread of this virus. Uh, I know that our, our hospitals are stretched, uh, you know, if not beyond the, uh, the the point where they're going to have to make some serious choices about who gets care. Um, they're, you know, it's critical at this point, and uh, I, I, some action has to happen. So I have no argument against uh, the Premier making a decision that uh, over the next couple of weeks that we go into a lockdown. And I know that is hurtful for business, uh, but, you know, consistency now across the entire region seems to be 
to me, to be a logical step to take so that we can uh, get, get this virus under control. How extensive would it be? And I understand we're speculating here because, and as you mentioned at your council meeting yesterday, I want to remind our listeners uh, that the ultimate decision here is the provinces, not the municipalities, uh, as to whether or not they're going to go through with this. And we may find out as early as tomorrow what they're going to do. But you just mentioned Niagara as well, Mr. Mayor, uh, with a huge shopping area, an outlet mall just uh, on the Queen Eve, just the other side of St. Catharines. Do we lock Mm -hmm. everything down from Niagara Falls right through to Oshawa? Yeah, I think so. I mean, you know, if you're going to do it now at this point, given given the numbers are up everywhere, uh, you know, and, and you know, region hopping is not a good idea. So if uh, if everything is closed except for Niagara, uh, guess what's likely going to happen? Uh, a lot of the folks that uh, ought to be locked down and should be staying within their own household might very well get in the car and go to the outlet mall in Niagara. Not that they don't do already, but I think many more many more people will do that. And then we'll see congestion and spread happening in Niagara faster than uh, they would ever want. So, uh, you know what, Uh, uh, let's take that regional approach. Once you get out of the main urbanized area from, you know, around the Golden Horseshoe, and if you're out in Peterborough or out in uh, North Bay, I I think the circumstances are, are absolutely different in those areas. And, uh, you know, the distance is, you know, not, not a distance where you're going to get in the car and think, think I'm, you know, from Toronto, I'm going to go shopping in North Bay. That's a three, four hour drive. So I think it's reasonably safe to say that those areas should be de- treated somewhat differently. But uh, certainly in this large golden horseshoe urbanized area, uh, including Kitchener, Waterloo and, uh, and other places, I think we need a collective lockdown to contain this virus. It is not, we, we are at a point where, um, uh, if it continues the way it's going right now, and given that Christmas is a time when people want to get together, uh, if we don't contain this now, then we can expect, uh, expect a significant surge uh, in the new year you know, over that two-week cycle. And uh, you know, having that happen uh, beyond where we are now uh, is, is literally going to put us in a crisis situation. If that were to happen, uh, what would you like... Th- the, the, the premier to to do how would you want him to frame this is it a is it a, a strategic for instance two day or ten day lockdown or is it okay we're locking everything down and it's staying down until we see the numbers go down uh you know invariably it's a, it's done on a two-week cycle because there's a lag time in terms of the data so so you know a two-week or three-week cycle uh, you know makes some sense because then you can get a sense of whether or not it's having impact and uh, you know where you might have to strategically make adjustments so I would say the data should dictate uh, what we need to do. Uh, that's always been the case in my view. So the science uh, ought to be followed. Uh, you know, political decisions are fine. Uh, we would all want to have our, our shops and restaurants and, and uh, you know, everything that we'd like to access open. Uh, you know, we want to make sure that people are employed and they're getting the resources they need. But in the face of this uh, pandemic, in the face of this virus, uh, clearly, there have to be scientific, uh, data-oriented decisions made that determines whether or not we ought to continue a lockdown or whether or not we can start gradually opening up, as we were doing, you know, after March, April, and May. And, uh, you know, if we're getting a better handle on this and the numbers are going down and people are adhering to the restrictive measures a, a lot better than uh, currently, uh, it, that we don't see evidence of that happening in, to a degree now that is necessary, then uh, you can start looking at uh, maybe relaxing some of these regulations. But until then, I would say to the Premier, follow the data, follow the, the, the science that uh, medical officers of health are well-versed in, in terms of 
how quickly this can get, get out of control, and are we on the verge of that? And if we are, let's let's take steps to uh, prevent that. Because more people are dying, and you know what, Grace Villa is you know one example of that, where you know somehow the uh, the virus gets into the building, and the moment it happens, uh, it is you know random spread throughout the entirety of the building, and numerous people have died as a result, not from old age, but as as a result of contracting this virus. And so the harm and the, uh, the concern is uh, significant, and uh, certainly we, no one should condone the notion of, well, let's just uh, keep everything open and, uh, you know, we'll just accept the uh, numbers of people that are going to die. That's unacceptable in my view, and I don't think anyone should be uh, making that kind of a decision. So let's look at the data, follow the science, and make sure that we, uh, we act accordingly. Uh, a nice segue, Mr. Mayor. You've been doing this a long time because I wanted to ask you about Grace Villa, especially in light of the fact uh, of uh, the announcement that uh, Dr. Richardson and others in uh, public health made yesterday that uh, effective immediately, I guess, they're no longer going to be offering pertinent data about uh, uh, new cases, deaths, uh, gender, ages of people that uh, that succumb to COVID-19. Uh, that's critical information. Now, I, I, on a point of clarification, uh, will public health certainly will still have that data? Will, th- will you as elected officials have that data? Is this, and and is, think, is, is, is this yeah. they just don't want to make this public? That's it. No, I think I think that we're still going to know that there are deaths. Uh, I think what they indicated was that uh, they weren't going to get too specific in terms of who, where, what, and, and when. And so, uh, you know, clearly the numbers continue to go up, and we're going to we're, we're still going to know that people are dying, and we're still going to know the, uh, the the numbers of people that are passing away as a result. But uh, the, you know, the specifics that we've shared previously. Because uh, the numbers are going up now every day now, and uh, you know how, how far do you go with uh, you know providing the kind of uh, uh, specifics around where it's happening and uh, which individuals are, in fact are, are passing away as a result. So I, I, I need to get more detail from our medical officer of health in terms of that change that uh, they informed us about that uh, as well yesterday, and I certainly uh, would would adhere to the notion that uh, we need to know uh, the numbers of people that are succumbing to this virus. And, uh, and, and in general terms, uh, you know, where that might be happening. But beyond that, uh, I don't disagree that the specifics, you know, stigmatizes families. It stigmatizes facilities. And uh, certainly that's something that uh, we don't want to have happen. But at the other side of that coin, though, is those facilities that are falling behind uh, should be identified. I mean, obviously, you know, you need that information to make a determination as to, as to where that the, the, it should be focused, you know, whether it's going to be there, or Grace Villa or any other, because uh, we've had outbreaks in other facilities, too. I, I know some people are very concerned about that, uh, that that information yeah. should be forthcoming. And we should also mention that Dr. Richardson did say that uh, part of the reason for that is, is they just don't have enough staff to keep up with what's going on here now. And, and we all knew that was going to happen as these numbers started to rise. Uh, speaking well, of so public health, public health is no different than the hospitals or the you know the general population. I mean, we've got an army of people working on this, but they're also getting sick, and uh, you know we have to uh, you know manage the, uh, the 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 amount of people. And you can't you can't train up people to do this work uh, in a couple of weeks. It uh, it takes uh, you know many years of talent and skill to to, to do all of that kind of important data data analysis work and so um, you know we do have to manage the the workload that uh, we're experiencing and focus on the most critical areas and the most critical areas are contract tracing right now so that we can contain this virus so offloading folks that might be uh, you know looking at uh, aggregating data that uh, that may be useful but not critical 
and putting them into areas that are critical, which is contract tracing, so we can contain the spread. Uh, there's some logic to that, and I, I don't disagree with the doctor in terms of her approach. Got about a minute left here. I also want to touch on something else that uh, Dr. Richardson mentioned yesterday at the council meeting uh, that I think bears repeating. There were a number of your colleagues that were asking, you know, when is, uh, the vaccination is going to start, and we're told uh, that it could be as early as next week for frontline workers and those in the healthcare field. And uh, then there's, as you've articulated, Mr. Mayor, there's a priority list of uh, frontline workers, healthcare workers, people of that nature, people with pre-existing conditions, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but Dr. Richardson, I think, was quite clear in suggesting that the mass inoculations for the, the rest of the population as they work their way down, uh, she suggested it would be Q4, uh, which basically mm-hmm. means after Labor Day. Uh, before we're actually going to be able to, to roll up our sleeves in, in large numbers like this. That's not to suggest, and she was quite clear about this, not to suggest that vaccinations won't be happening between now and then, uh, but they're, they're not going to be happening in the numbers that we'd like to see, uh, you know, with a, 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 like a flu vaccine or something like that. So uh, we need to yeah. keep that date in mind, don't we, I mean, for, especially in light of some of the numbers that we've seen here and the impact it's having on community. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, it's not that that's the way we want it. It's it's going to be totally based on the availability of vaccine. And uh, you know what? There's worldwide demand now. So this is now a global, global vaccination effort. Uh, I think the expectation that, uh, you know, in a couple of months we'll have the entire globe vaccinated is, uh, you know, is not not realistic. And so, uh, you know, realistically, we uh, need a vaccine that is a bit more portable than the current vaccine that's out there that needs to be stored at uh, minus 75. And people need to go to that location to to get the vaccine. Uh, The moment there's a and there's a number of vaccines that are in the queue. Uh, Moderna is one of them that uh, we anticipate will get uh, approval soonish. Uh, that is a, mo- a lot more mobile and flexible in terms of you can bring it to different locations and actually uh, apply the vaccination uh, at a uh, you know a, a rec center or some facility, as opposed to having it in a controlled uh, you know minus 75 environment that uh, very very few locations are a- actually able to do. So the news is yes, we need to be patient. So I think the word for 2020 is going to be uh, there's hope, but we need patience to be able to get there. And so uh, patients in terms of the masking that we're talking about, uh, the, uh, the physical separating that we continue to advocate for, all of those measures are still going to be in place until we have a 75 to 80 percent vaccination rate uh, you know, across the country or across our community. Uh, then we will be able to look at relaxing some of these measures to, uh, to uh, get to a, a better sense of normalcy. So uh, you're right. Uh, yes, let's keep in mind that this, this is not instant gratification here. This is going to take some time to do. And in the meantime, we're going to have to protect one another to uh, to minimize that spread and not overtop our healthcare system. And so all of that is going to matter. And, uh, you know, I think we would all have hoped that uh, the moment the vaccine was there, that we're, uh, you know, we're we're uh, we're uh, we're up and running and everything is great. Uh, that isn't 100 percent the case. But it's hopeful that it's on the horizon, and uh, before too long in 2021, um, we have an opportunity to get people inoculated and hopefully get back to some sense of normalcy towards the end of the year. And uh, we'll make some determination, I guess, tomorrow uh, when the uh, the Premier makes an announcement about lockdown or no lockdown. Uh, Mr. Mayor, thanks as always for the time. A busy, busy time for you. Appreciate you taking some time for us today. Uh, really appreciate your time, Bill, and uh, to all your listeners. If we don't get a chance uh, to you, uh, you know, happy happy holidays. Uh, celebrate this Christmas as best you can virtually with all your family and friends, and let's let's look forward to a uh, an improved and uh, hopefully hopeful 
uh, a new year that we can all aspire to uh, better days. Absolutely. Thanks again, Mr. Hamilton Mayor Fred Eisenberger. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML.